Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Mexico Open. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, happy Monday. Happy Monday. Always a happy Monday when we get to enjoy DFS pricing. And speaking of, I believe that's John Rom behind you. Is he in this tournament? I'm not right sure. Uh, he might be in this tournament. He might be the only one in this tournament for all that I know. <laughs> Uh, at least that's the way the way it looks according to odds makers and whatnot. But yes, John Rahm headlining the field here in Mexico and see it's nice. We're just back to normal, right? Stroke play event, full field individuals. Uh, we don't need to talk about any specific quirks this week. So back to our normal kind of Monday preview. Yeah, and it still feels a little abnormal, right? Because the field is just a little different and, you know, it's in Mexico, which makes just a little different. Not that that should change anything. I got to tell you, though, from last week, um, not a big fan of, you know, I, I want that I want that Zurich Classic to be a, like alternate shot the whole way through. I think that would be way more interesting personally. <laughs> <laughs> definitely be more interesting yeah for sure i mean listen it's it that's it's so difficult to do that uh it's always impressive when that when when those guys out shoot goes guys, those guys go out and shoot something low in alternate shot but yeah there's uh i don't love the and it's the same with birdie fests right like if you shoot six under at a, in a pga tour event and you're not making up ground on the field uh yeah. it's a little weak for me so mm-hmm. that's kind of how Thursday and Saturday feel where you've got to be on 59 watch or you're just not even gaining to the field. Yeah, it, it, that, I think that's I think that's ultimately what it is. And I, it, by the way, I just also like the dynamic of alternate shot that you have to kind of lean on your partner. It feels like it truly feels like a team event when you have to do that. So I think that's my larger point. ultimately. OK, well, we're uh, getting close. We're just individuals this week. So we're going to Vedanta, Vallarta. If Troy, you could share my screen, that'd be splendid. My website, uh, rickrengood.com, the course key stats model. And uh, see, it's a, a par 73 for the resort play. 71 uh, for the PGA Tour professionals. And I guess the big thing that we need to remember, we've only played this tournament in its current iteration at the current course one time. So I've got the data here. 
I, I would generally say throw it out the window, right? Like one time doesn't really mean all that much. So how are you treating anything that we saw in 2022 for this time around? Yeah, pretty much not giving it much regard. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to note players who have played here before, but I mean, I'm just not really paying too much attention to it. I think on paper, um, this is a generally fairly long golf course. I think when people immediately think Mexico, they think high altitude. This is not Chapultepec, right? This is not where you're going to get a bunch of distance because of altitude. It's 7,400 yards on a par 71. And um, Paspalum is the the strain of grass throughout. It doesn't really roll out as much. So I think that uh, bombers are, are likely to have a better chance here. You look at the leaderboard. Uh, from last year, John Rahm, Tony Finau, they're both back at it again this time around. I, I think I like distance, not necessarily a requirement, but I, I like distance and the ability to kind of take apart the par fives. Totally agree. I mean, I, I definitely think distance is and, and let's remember how everybody's going to think of this course, right? There are going to bombers are going to be um at a premium to, to say the least here. So, I mean, I am going to look at driving distance. I am going to look at off the tee. I mean, it, I, I, the long approach game, I think that's going to be really important as well, but also the global stuff, like just weighted tee to green, which we can see on, on your site, Rick, and just those types of tee to green um, GIR stats, I think are really important, but yeah, I mean, I, there, there should be somewhat of an emphasis on distance. We saw it from the leaderboard last year, but we, we, we know it just because we've got a par 71, 7,400 yards. This is a true 7,400 to your point, Rick, it's at C level like this is and and you you mentioned the the lack of rollout compared to some other um surfaces so i think this is one of those where you know you want to get it out there and you want to be able to smash from 175 to 200 or 200 plus so well, let's just kind of address uh the field for this week john rom indeed here tony Finau here that's about it Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got some of our favorites like Wyndham Clark and Nikolai Hoygaard and Patrick Rogers, but I, I haven't seen a strength of field number yet. This, this is likely to be one of the weakest fields of the year, I imagine. It's staggering to see. I mean, it's just so interesting. Like Gary Woodland is one thing. I mean, because at least, you know, he's won a major. He's a name, even though he hasn't been in the best form. If we're looking, you know, long term, Nikolai Hoygaard, though, up, you know, what is he? That's that would be fifth. From the top, from John Rom, Maverick McNeely, like what's he doing there? Uh, you know, Patrick Rogers. It's very interesting, but then, but then you look at the AK range and you're like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, you got Bo Hossler, Aaron Rye, Ben Martin, all good players, but maybe should be below some of these guys. This is really interesting. I think the the big point here, and we'll have to t- we'll have to have the John Rom discussion, which of course we'll have in a couple minutes, but. Is there a huge difference between Gary Woodland? At, I mean, we can we can set Wyndham Clark apart to some degree if we really want to because he's been so good. Is there a big difference between Gary Woodland and, let's say, Stephen Yeager or S.H. Kim or Alex Smalley? I mean, there's a difference, yeah, but it's not a big difference. And so I think when you're looking at this from the 9K range and below, you should be almost looking at these guys without – price applying. Just look at who you like. Don't feel like you have to jam in somebody from the 9K and the 8K and the the 7K. These guys all kind of mesh together. The other thing worth noting is that Davis Riley did make it into the pricing before he withdrew. He was at $9,900. So now that creates a situation of Tony Finau at 10.7 and then a $1,000 gap to Wyndham Clark. So there is a John Rahm, 
$1,300 gap to Finau, and then Finau, $1,000 gap to Wyndham Clark. So uh, you've probably made more lineups than anybody at this point, Sia. Uh, that, that kind of messes with the ability to construct things. Have you noticed anything noteworthy at this point on a Monday? Well, let's put it this way. If you want to, if you want to put John Rahm in your lineup, and I, I wonder, I mean, I think we should kind of guess as to how many, what the percentage is going to be at lock. I mean, I, I think 40 to 50% is in play here, but if you want to make a lineup with, let's say John Rahm, and you want to grab your favorite nine K guy, and let's say it's Wyndham Clark, which is, you know, kind of expensive from a nine K standpoint. I just want everybody to know what that leaves you. 7,075. So I think you really have to make some tough decisions. You either play John Rahm and you really go down maybe straight to the 8K range or you don't play John Rahm and you play a few guys in that 9K range and you just hope that John Rahm finishes, you know, sixth and that a couple of your 9K guys finish higher than he does. Okay, well, uh, we'll have that conversation. We'll just start at the top with John Rahm and we'll go through the pricing tier by tier. But first, we're going to reset, take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet. And as mentioned, a very tight uh, board at the top. Just two golfers over $10,000 and both of them over $10,700. John Rahm is $12,000. Tony Finau is ten seven. That is it. 
So, Sia, let's let's have the John Rom discussion. <laughs> okay, well, let me start by saying he's just so darn good. And and in relative to this field, it's just staggering how much better he is. I mean, let's l- l- listen. When was the last time you had a tournament where a guy like John Rom was at the top, and then four to five players down was Gary Woodland and Nikolai Hoygaard? And that's no disrespect to those two gentlemen, but as they relate to John Rom, I mean, yeah, they're they're two thousand dollars cheaper, and then some, but. I, I mean, I think you're, you know, from a win equity standpoint, it is just a no brainer to have John Rahm in your lineup outside of the ownership discussion. And just the fact that it's golf and, you know, John Rahm can have one or two potentially poor rounds, but it's hard to get away from him. I'm trying to contemplate what I'm going to do if we see basically a Xander Cantlay situation from last week where we just know the, you know, we knew those guys were going to be very highly owned. In this case, I think I'm more incentivized to play the highly owned John Rom that I would be the Xander Cantley from last week. But I got to say of the lineups I'm going to build and I'm a single entry three max builder, half of my lineups at least will not have John Rom in them and half of them will. So I'll be kind of, I'll be kind of like at the field with John Rom, And then I'm going to be more than willing in some of mine to start my lineups. Perhaps I'm, I'm probably going to ignore Tony Finau this week. And it's not because I hate Tony Finau. It's because if I'm going to save money on the John Rom thing, it's going to be because I'm going to go down to the 9K range. I'm going to be able to build a pretty balanced lineup as a result thereof. Just a couple of notes on John Rahm. And I think people like make your own decision on what you want to do here, right? John Rahm is by far the best player in the field. It's not particularly close. To illustrate that, Steven Yeager over the last 36 rounds has gained a half a stroke per round. It's the 20th best mark in this field. John Rahm is five times better than that. Five <laughs> times better than the 20th best player in a field of 140, uh, which is staggering. The other thing that I will note and see, uh, you know, a lot of the attention from Rom this week will be in regards to his outright betting number, which is about plus 280. That does not always translate to the DFS pricing. And and I'll give you an example here. You know, the players championship, just a couple of starts ago for John Rom. He was $11,800, $11,800 in the deepest field in golf, the, the strongest field in golf, one of the biggest fields in golf. The Mexico open is not that right. It is significantly weaker. Uh, He has won again since then, and he has only gone up $200. Uh, Mm -hmm. So my larger point being whether you decide to play him or not, I actually think there's a pretty strong case to say John Rom could be more expensive than $12,000. Oh, I definitely agree with that. It, again, it, it, it does come down to roster construction to some degree, which is why a lot of people will just – I don't know what people are going to do with their, their John Rom lineups because you're right. He could be like 13000 You could make him twelve eight. You can make him twelve five, and And still he would be, in my opinion, kind of just as playable perhaps – with that said, you know, I'm trying to construct lineups that have John Rahm in them, but that makes sense in terms of, well, I have some money left over. I just did one just now. I'm just trying to see how much money is left over. I did skip the 9K range and I put in Bo Hostler at 8,700, I believe. It still only left me with 7,300. So it's just, it's just going to be really interesting to see where people go with the John Rahm lineups because it's, it's just hard to find a lot of value in the upper 6K and lower 7K range. <laughs> So I think Finau, it's 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 early on a Monday, right? I don't know where things are going to shake out on Thursday morning when this when this thing locks. But um, the way that Finau's game looks, he's been fine. He's been okay. 
he hasn't driven it as well as we have seen historically. The putter, which was really good during the stretch of you know the two wins and all that fun stuff, uh, he's lost a little bit of that. But it feels a little bit, Sia, like the question is Rom or the 9K, right? Yeah. Like, is there just a path where 40% of lineups have Rom? Uh, 48 have start in the 9K range, and Tony Finau's like 9% owned or something like that? Well, there is on a Wednesday morning, and you know how sophisticated <laughs> this industry is, is they're going to see that on rickrungood.com, for example. They're going to be like, all right, well, now I have to pivot to Tony Finau. So it, it's an interesting question because I wonder where that leaves him at lock, and I think it could leave him somewhere still pretty low like in the 14% range, for example, and I'm really truly just speculating here. But yeah, I mean, if, if he's if he's sub 15%, then, you know, he certainly would make some sense because what a great pivot that would be off of a, like a 42% John Rahm or, or a 38% John Rahm. It's still, it's still kind of hard to justify when you look at what John Rahm has done, particularly lately, and what Tony Finau has done lately. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for sure. It's uh, on a Monday. It's kind of hard to stomach anything but John Rom. But I, I think as the ownership numbers roll in, and uh, like I think Finau's a guy that I'll probably warm on as the week goes on, as opposed to cooling on. But we'll 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 see about that. Here's here's the nine K range. As I mentioned, Davis Riley was in here at ninety nine. He's gone. So now it's Wyndham Clark, Gary Woodland, Nikolai Hoygaard, and then the bottom half is Mav McNeely, Patrick Rogers, Taylor Pendrith, Benny on, and. And Alex Noren. So not necessarily names we usually see in the 9K range, Sia, but that's where they are this week. Yeah, and I like the guys at the top. I mean, I, I particularly like Wyndham Clark, which should be no surprise. We talk about him all the time. Uh, 67th here last year. Again, I'm not putting any weight in that whatsoever, uh, especially since Wyndham Clark is a much better player now than he was uh, then. I love what we can see here. I love what he's doing with the approach game. We know he's been a monster off the tee like, throughout his entire career. He had some dips here and there, but the ball striking is great. We saw what he did with the short game last week. I thought it was really impressive uh, at the Zurich Classic uh, on some of those plays over the weekend, but the short game's just been there for him in general. It's been solid for him. So I don't know that he's a value per se, but he's definitely one of my favorite guys in this range. The other guy, the other two guys I'd at least consider Gary Woodland. When you look at his weighted tee to green, when you look at his, you know, greens and regulation off the tee driving distance, he checks a lot of the boxes for this specific tournament. I'd say the same for Nikolai Hoygaard. I probably have a little bit more faith if I'm choosing between Woodland and Hoygaard, I'd probably have a little bit more faith in Gary Woodland, um, but Clark would be my favorite of that trio. Yeah, so uh, I agree with you. We've been we've been tracking Clark for uh, quite some time now. The metrics are amazing. He seems to be knocking on the door. Um, a win seems close. Woodland's to me the X factor here, right? The guy that I think could. Uh, break the slate a little bit, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, when you zoom out, he's a major winner who is much more accomplished in his career than a lot of the other players in this field. Uh, recently, he's got, you know, the four straight cuts that he's made. The ball striking numbers have been phenomenal. I just need him to not hemorrhage strokes off the tee. And at least in his last, or excuse me, with the putter, and at least in his last three, he hasn't. Right. I mean, he was a small loser at Valspar, Valspar, a small winner at the Masters, and he putted the lights out at the RBC Heritage. And I just 
I think that it is probably worth the risk on someone like Gary Woodland, who we know has a lot of elite skill sets still, has the upside, has the pedigree. I'm, I'm terrified of this, right? I'm terrified of him losing like 10 strokes around the green or like five with the putter. But um, in this field, I, I think it's a, a risk I might have to take. Yeah, I'm willing to take that risk here as well, um, particularly a, a risk around uh, – Poor around the green game players, frankly. Uh, so yeah, I think Gary Woodland is on uh, certainly on the profile of players. And again, if you want to avoid Rom, and and I like I say it like if you want to avoid Rom, like that would be stupid. But like I mean, you know, you not not everybody's going to play Rom, including myself. So if you want to start your lineup with Wyndham Clark and Gary Woodland, I just want to let you know what you have left. It's decent, seventy six seventy five. So that gives you a lot to work with. Now, again, the win equity is all kind of locked up with John Rahm. But, you know, Gary Woodland, Wyndham Clark, could they have really pop performances? Do they rate out really well for this particular course? Answer to to that is yes. Uh, The only other interesting name, or at least the one I want to talk about is Patrick Rogers. Um, very good on Paz Palum, uh, specific type of, of, of grass that we have this week. Starting to turn it around, maybe has broken out of a little bit of a slump. Valero, he finished fifth, T19 at the RBC Heritage. The ball striking numbers are back. Uh, again, there, there is there is no one in this field besides John Rahm that does not give me some level of concern. So it, it, it's not like you can, you know, rubber stamp all of these guys and be stoked about it. But, but, Patrick Rogers certainly skews on the better side of things for me. Yeah, and he is kind of peaking to some degree. I mean, this this does look impressive. I've never really been a Patrick Rogers guy. And, you know, usually when he's like a chalky guy, I, I kind of just snicker to myself saying, like, I'm definitely not doing that. But he's certainly not going to be chalky here at 9,300. Uh, but he should get some attention. And, and he kind of deserves it because we're seeing, first of all, he's a good course fit. And he kind of proved it here last year, 10th place finish. But if these approach and and off the tee numbers, and honestly, the short game's good too. If if those are, maybe that's not the apex. You know, maybe he's coming out of like a very kind of like long Patrick Rogers slump, and he's found something. And we might not see the apex of that until maybe after this tournament or after the next tournament. So I think he's really really interesting to speculate on. Yeah, that's the thing. If um like if he were to win this week, we would say, oh yeah, we saw. Well, we should have seen that yeah. coming. Right. Yeah. If T19 win ball striking numbers were were good. So uh, just trying to foreshadow a little bit. Um, anybody else in this 9K range? You know, McNeely still kind of looks hurt to me. I think I'll need to see something else uh, before I start investing in him again. But anybody else in this 9K range? Well, I will say this. I don't think that Pendrith. Uh, ben on or Norn are going to get much love. If anybody gets love there, it's going to be Pendrith because he does profile as as good for this course, even though he's he's been pretty bad as of late. Uh, but I, you know, from a, just a game theory standpoint, I think it's worth noting that Norn and On, even though listen, On's been good, but I just don't think people are going to sign up for him or Norn this tournament. So, from a game theory standpoint, something to consider. Okay, well, we'll continue uh, this conversation with the 8K range. We'll continue into the real value aspects of this board in the sevens and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. The $8,000 range starts with Aaron Rye and Bo Hostler, two guys who played and played well last week. It goes down to MJ Duffy and Robbie Shelton at a flat eight. Thousand and there's a handful of decent options in the middle. So, Sia, how are we allocating our resources here? Yeah, I like this. I like this 8K range quite a bit. I'll start with Aaron Rye uh, and Bo Hossler. I like both of those guys. Um, Aaron Rye is really, I, I feel like he's really coming on. The weighted T degree numbers, the weighted off the T numbers, two things I'm very much looking at. Um, they've been very good. Uh, what's really been plaguing him is is the putter and the short game in general. But you know, he pops here and there with that. And honestly. I'd like your opinion on this, Rick, in terms of, I don't want to say team no putt because, you know, I'm not trying to take like terrible putters necessarily, but with these pest palum greens that they're slower, do you think that gives an edge to guys who maybe not, maybe they're not the best putters? Well, I think historically we've seen that they do, right? I mean, Emiliano Grillo, while we we generally don't get the putting numbers from uh, places that have pest palum, because it's usually like Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Bermuda, like places like that, right? Is um, Grillo plays well there. You can assume he's doing it because he's, he's putting well. And it is, uh, as you mentioned, generally slower. It is generally a thicker blade of grass. It's generally easier to putt on. So I think, um, I don't want to say it's an anecdote or a narrative at this point. I think there is enough evidence to say that in general, it's not going to fix everybody's putting problems all the time. But if you're a bad putter, uh, these are better surfaces for you than normal. Yeah, and you, you take that and you look at what Aaron Rye's done in the ball striking department, both off the tee and on approach. A couple slip-ups here and there, like at the Valero, for example. But this is really impressive. Like if you attached this profile that we're looking at right now on YouTube, if you attached it to anybody in the 9K range, for, like they don't, that, the, the person in the 9K range doesn't even have to have a name. You'd say, oh yeah, this looks like a 9K guy. This looks like a, a guy who might be 9,600 or 9,700. Right. So I just think it, he's one of those guys, maybe in the Patrick Rogers mold a little bit, although he's been good for a little bit longer in terms of recent history than Patrick Rogers. But he's one of those guys that we haven't necessarily seen the apex yet. And we might see it this tournament. So we're trying to catch a guy before he really gets hot. He really takes down a tournament or top fives a tournament. I think Aaron Rye's in that conversation. Uh, here's an example of that discussion I was uh, having there. So Emiliano Grillo, dating back to 2019, he's in this range as well, 8,500. He's mm-hmm. played, what is that, 11 or so events on Paz Palum, and he's gaining a stroke and a half per round. Now, only two of those are, are measured putting weeks he gained both of them but you can make an assumption that if you're finishing t3 t8 t6 t11 15th that he's probably putting it pretty well those weeks uh and the other thing is he's doing it like these are all different golf courses right mayacoba puerto rico uh punta cana played well in Mexico here last year. Like the, the thing they have in common is Paz Palo. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and these, and these coastal type courses or tropical courses in some of these places. So um, that that's kind of the argument to be made there where we're, we're going to make some assumptions without the 
necessarily the full gamut of of data here, but we can build some trends. Um, Anybody else in this AK range? Because like Steven Yeager's here at 82. I think he's been playing sneaky well. I kind of threw him under the bus a little bit, uh, calling him, you know, he's the 20th best player, but he's like one fifth of John Rahm. Uh, and then like, you know, even Ben Martin's been playing great. He Now he missed the cut last week. See uh, at the Zurich Classic. Level of concern over a Zurich Classic miscut. Well, I mean, Chesson was his partner. So, I mean, no offense against Chesson, but he was the lesser of the two two, two players in that one. I, I mean, listen, we love Ben Martin on, on this show. And I think people are starting to recognize that Ben Martin is like a dude, like he's a guy. And again, look at these, the, these numbers are just, this is a spitting image of a guy that, you know, you would think would be in the 9K range. But fortunately for us, his name is Ben Martin. So he hasn't really received that stature yet. Uh, but at 8,600, I think people will start to pay attention to him, but that is still a little pricey. So I just wonder what the ownership is going to be like. And again, when you're building these John Rahm lineups, how often are you getting to Ben Martin? Because if you're getting to Ben Martin and you have John Rahm, Martin might be your second guy in. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Maybe not, but he might be your second guy in. So I do like Ben Martin. I, I like Bo Hostler. I was really impressed with Bo Hostler last week. I haven't really been on the Bo Hostler train. He's made a few cuts in a row. And just watching him this last weekend, I, I was just super impressed. And, and by the way, he can get it out there too. I, that's something I didn't really realize about him until recently. But from a driving distance standpoint, off the tee, uh, he's not bad there either. So I, I think Bo Hostler is, is a guy. One other guy. Um, I, know, I know you're checking me on that. What, what was he off the team? Oh, no, I was just I was going to agree with you because he is kind of sneaky long. And I think he was actually longer uh, last year. So he, last year he was 50th in driving distance of all drives. This year he is 67th in this field. That's probably like 30th, if not better. Than yeah, that. right. Uh, two other guys to mention. Actually, one other guy, because you mentioned Grillo. Um, I think SH Kim is at least interesting because people are going to go to Steven Yeager. I think he's an interesting pivot off of Steven Yeager. Uh, The last guy, MJ Duffy. I've been playing him here and there lately. He's 8K flat. I think in this tournament, that's a fine price. I think he's super sneaky. So he's he's somebody I'm definitely willing to play. Duffy's made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cuts in a row. A handful of top 25s along the way as well. I, uh, to answer... The question that I posed to you about level of concern if a guy missed the cut at Zurich last week, basically zero for me, right? I yeah. mean, there's just, it's such a weird, different event. Who knows if you played well, your partner, like, it's like a one out of 10 in terms of concern mm-hmm. if you missed the cut last week in a team event. The seven and they weren't, and they weren't terrible. They were eight under, they were two off the, they were two off the cut. I mean, it's not like they were four under and six off the, the cut line. Yeah, I could not care less if you missed the mm-hmm. cut last week, uh, which the top two guys in the 7K range did. Lee Hodges and Will Gordon. This range goes down to a flat Augusto Nunez, Austin Ekro, Carl Yuan, Grayson Sig, Maddie Schmid, and Sean O'Hare with a handful of interesting options between those two bookends. So, Sia, uh, what do you want to do here in the sevens? Will Gordon is really interesting at 7,900. That seems like pretty obvious value and potentially pretty obvious chalk too. I mean, we'll see because he ha- he is coming off a couple missed cuts in a row. I mean, granted, one of those is the Zurich Classic, but he missed the cut at, at Valero. It's the short game that's been pretty bad for him as of late, but he seems like he profiles really well for this course. So I'm a, I'm a big Will Gordon guy this week. The, the one thing his ownership is are, gets out of control. Yeah, these are pretty easy short game areas too, yeah. um, which is helpful. When you see a guy like this who's, you know, 
spewing strokes around the green, you know, get him in a spot where there's a lot more straightforward situations and you hope that he only loses 0.3 around the green, right? And he can make it up in other places. We can make a team no around the green instead of a team no putt. Like Gary Woodland would have would profile well there um, too. So yeah, I like uh, I like Will Gordon here. I, I like Joseph Bramlett at seventy eight hundred. I've been a Joseph Bramlett guy. I think in this field he could actually play off, and I do think he's a pretty good course fit as well. Um, looking at the stats here, it's not incredibly impressive, but again, I think Joseph Bramlett has the ability to pop. We've seen some pop performer performances, even this year at the farmers with incredible ball striking uh, at the AT&T Pebble beach uh, pro-am incredible ball striking. So uh, I think he has the ability in this tournament to pop a little bit. A few other names I'll just mention Dylan Wu I believe he's 7,500. He's a guy I play a lot. I, I don't know about the upside for Dylan Wu in normal tournaments, but in this tournament, I actually kind of like the upside. I've been more of a Dylan than a Brandon guy personally, Love the approach game. Off the tee's been pretty good. Short game's been pretty good. Putter's been better than good over the last, you know, four or five tournaments. So I like Dylan Wu. And then the last two guys, Charlie Hoffman. And if you need to save some money, Carl Yuan, you know, it, that one's really risky, obviously. Um, he's not exactly making cuts. He was 33rd here last year for whatever that's worth. But I think Carl Yuan is somebody I'm willing to speculate on. Okay, interesting. So as kind of expected based on this field, you know, there's a lot of close calls here in the 7K range and trying to sort through them, I think is is fascinating. I, I'm not a Luke List guy, uh, but I think if you're trying to get somewhere with him, this is the week to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been horrible since he won Farmers, uh, not this past Farmers, but the one before that. And I think that like he's long off the tee. He's good on his long iron shots. That's how he won Torrey Pines. And hopefully this place mitigates putting. If those all if all of those things are true and you get that version of Luke List this week, it's at least noteworthy. The cheap guy that I think is worth a shot is Augusto Nunez. So he played with Fabian Gomez last week. They made the cut. I think they finished last after the after the cut was made. But if you look at his stats, um, he's got some pretty elite stuff for this golf course uh, and this field. Like he's a pretty long hitter, 42nd in distance, 27th in club head speed. You look at all these long iron buckets. From 175 on, he's elite like 16th from 175 to 200 69th from 200 225 5th from 225 to 250 and 15th from 250 to 275 now that's a large range of buckets but to be inside the top whatever on all of those i think is is pretty good um and then i thought there was one more sia uh Oh, Vincent Norman. Vincent Norman is just this young guy who I think is starting to figure it out. He moves the ball like uh, it's a shotgun going off when this guy hits the golf ball. He's got three top 25s in his last five starts. He missed the cut in the other two. But I'm willing to take on young, unknown, raw talent this week as opposed to a lot of these known entities. Do you think a lot of people will end up following a falling on Cameron Champ just because of the perceived course fit at 7,100? Um, yeah. I mean, he was sixth here last year for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I do. I think, I mean, the, the problem, The I mean, this might not be a problem. It might be what you're looking for is that um, Champ wins or he finishes inside the top 10 off of zero form. So what you're seeing here is six straight missed cuts. Well, here was three straight missed cuts and eighth, 
three straight missed cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two missed cuts, 10th, T6, going back to playing. Like he just, you know, he missed five cuts in a row, finished T11, then one, right? So it's just like he doesn't need a lot of form. And I think there's going to, I do think there is going to be this perceived distance thing that he will be more owned than he should be is, is Mm -hmm. I guess the way to put it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, you you know, people are definitely going to be searching in that low seven K range, the, the high six K range, perhaps. I mean, I, I just tried to make a lineup with a couple of uh, the guys we mentioned and it's not a full lineup, but it's John Rom. It's, I I literally dropped to the mid eight K range, Ben Martin. And then I went all seven K will Gordon, Luke list, and then I took your guy, Augusto Nunez, at 7K. I would have thought that would have left me, like, just ballparking it, like, 7,300. I'm only left with 6,700 6, there. Yeah. And I completely skipped the 9K range. I didn't even go heavy on the 8K range in terms of taking a guy at the top end. I'm just trying to, like, trying to emphasize how if you don't find value down in the 7K range or even upper 6K range, it's really hard to make a palatable lineup. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that it's going to be hard to construct lineups with Rob. Because if you get the right order, if you get the right combination, then you're you're in really good shape. Well, that upper 6K range is plentiful. Lots of names at $6,900. Baddeley, Smotherman, Percy, Libiota, Glover, Schwab, Gerard. Yeah, all those guys, $6,900. And this range goes all the way down to Ted Potter Jr. Remember him? Kevin Stadler. Uh, Boo Weekly. Arjun Atwal. Yes, yes, this is the Mexico Open. Uh, Sia, do we have some value that we can attach to John Rahm? Yeah, um, some of those names down there, very, very. JB Holmes was down there at 6,100. Yeah. Man, I, I would, I just would really like JB Holmes to have a nice stretch at one point in his career, just at some point. That would yeah, be really did, cool. Yeah, he did. He did already. It's over. I, I know, but yeah, but post like I, cause I know he had, he was kind of, he had the injuries and the issues he had to deal with. I just want to see him do well after that. Is this the JB Holmes profile? This is the JB Holmes profile. It's not, not great. See ya. Uh, no, it's see. not. It is uh, not. But how about that top, open championship? He had, he had a top 20. Here we go. He had a top 25 in February of 2020. That was at Pebble Beach. This is a good run. This is the this is JB Holmes time of year. January, where he goes three straight, basically top 15s, Farmers, Phoenix, Pebble. That's that's JB time right there. But uh going on three years plus, we've not gotten much. So I mean, I'll I'll start in the in the upper 6,900 range. I think Aaron Baddeley is interesting to me. He, he can kind of flash here and there. I want to play Hank Lebiota. I don't think I'm going to come around to doing that. There's two names that are at least interesting to me, though, that I actually am going to play. One in particular, um, Carson Young at 6,600. I actually think there's some value there. He's been showing up in tournaments. Uh, he did rate out pretty well in some of the some of the metrics I looked at as well. Um, I'll, I'll catch up with what those were in a second. But Carson Young and Martin Trainer, I think, are the two 6K guys that I think I'd be willing to play. And Wow, I mean... Was that that was Carson Young? He, he had some some flash performances there, but you know he's pretty good off the tee. The approach game could be better. Putter can get hot here and there. Again, he's sixty six hundred and he's in the worst field he's been in from a talent standpoint than any of those other events that we just looked at. Oh yeah, I mean these are all like throw a dart, right? I mean it's a horrible field. Take a take a chance, have at it. I'm mm-hmm. not going to blame you for playing basically 
anybody down here. Um, Cause you can make the, I mean, even like the, find the smallest things you can. Michael Gligic uh, finished 13th at the Zurich with his partner and he finished 24th here last year. Cool. That's like, that is enough for me. Grayson Murray, 33rd at the Zurich last week, uh, 13th here last year. Like that is enough for, like, I'm not, I, we're not going to find Tony Finau here. Right, we're not going mm-hmm. to we're not going to find Ben Martin here. We're we're going to find Michael Gligic and a couple of these other guys. I will throw out. Um, I like to talk to, about some of these guys that most people are not following. How much is he? Is he that cheap? No, he's got to be more expensive than that. Where is there? He is sixty five hundred. Alejandro Toasty, Toasty, hmm. Toasty. I'm going to pull him up. So he's playing on the Corn Ferry. Um, but he's playing well on the corn ferry and the bottom of this field might as well be a corn ferry tour event, uh, realistically. Mm-hmm. And you've got three straight top 25s, basically the last three weeks played last week, played the week before. Then it was like three weeks before that all top 25s, um, basically five top thirties in his last six starts. That's on the corn ferry. And I, I like his game better than a lot of these other guys in this range. He's 6,500 bucks. Um, honestly, he's probably my favorite. This is a really Brent Grant wouldn't be so bad because he hits it far, but that is very, very risky. Yeah. Brandon Matthews is another guy that would fit that profile. He was, you know, pretty good last week. Um, I'll tell you this about Gligic and uh, Carson Young. They rated out really well last 24 on uh, in weighted off the tee. Mm. something to consider there really well, like better than you think. I think they were, I think they were inside the top 10 weighted off the tee last 24 rounds. Interesting. I'm just trying to see if there's anybody, gosh, I, I mean, I love some of these guys. I wish they were playing better. Uh, Martin trainer. You met, I didn't, I don't think I brought up his profile here, but he finished, I think it said ninth last year. T nine at Zurich. I don't remember who his partner was a T 22 in Punta Cana. T20 at Pebble Beach. I guess he doesn't – I don't know what his status situation is, but it feels like he's not playing as frequently as he would like to be. But when he plays, he plays all right. He can pop at times. That's not bad. Not bad. Yep. Uh, Joseph in the chat, do we have that, Troy? That's also my favorite little nugget here. So I don't know if you saw this, Sia, the shuttle gate where these three guys from the Corn Ferry, they took a a volunteer, gave them a shuttle ride between – uh holes and that was an unauthorized shuttle and all three of these guys were assigned a two-shot penalty wow one guy missed the cut and probably is going to lose his card because of it uh toasty was already he was like inside the top 10 so he had so so when i pulled up his stat profile and it showed he finished 23rd two strokes of that were uh, a penalty for taking a volunteer issued shuttle between holes Wow. Where, I'm, I'm sorry, like, was the shuttle going to the next hole? Like, what, what was the point of the shuttle? Uh, do we know? I, I'm do sorry. Do not quote me on this, but from what I understand, they were taking, they were shuttling between, uh, there was a, a stretch of the golf course that was a, a long distance from one green to another tee, call it between seven and eight. And they were allowed to take a shuttle from the seventh green to the eighth tee to keep up pace of play and all that stuff. But I guess what they did is they took a shuttle. I think they started on the back. So they finished on 18 and then they were going to make the turn and they took a shuttle 
to number one. Like the volunteer was like, oh, hey, like, yeah, I'll give you yeah. a ride. Whatever. Like, who thinks that that's a, like, like, who thinks that's a penalty? Who well, thinks also, that's, a, that's, that's against the rules? And also, if you had told all the other competitors that that happened, they'd probably be like, honest mistake. Like, I'm really not worried about it. Like, it's, that's not a, it's not a competitive advantage. Like who, I, also who ratted them, right? Like some, because they caught up with them, I guess a couple holes later and they're like, hey, did you take a shuttle back there from whatever, 18 oh to one? Gosh. And he was, they're like, yeah. And they slapped them all two shots. Come on, golf. You're better than that. That's wild. That's really wild. Okay. Um, let us continue the fun by looking at some strokes gained narrative lineups. Troy, do we have these bad boys handy? Okay. So if you want to get involved in this, uh, what you need to do is you need to come up with any narrative that you want. Doesn't really matter. We don't have any rules on that. And you have to create a lineup for the week with it. And you have to send it into Sia and you have to tag at, uh, excuse me, hashtag strokes gain narrative on Twitter. So here's Oracle at T2 Greens with a Z says, Mis favoritos de Mexico, favorites from Mexico. Emiliano Pico de Grillo. <laughs> Trevor Chili con queso. Trevor Cohn. Well done. Tano Oscar de la Goya. Beautiful. <laughs> Love where we're going here. Car. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Carl O. Santana Yuan. Carl, Carl Yuan Carlos Santana. Uh, Cabo San Lucas Glover. And, oh boy, uh, Alston Selma Hayek wrote. <laughs> Not bad. That's pretty good. Eric David says to him, Mexico equals uh, all-inclusive resorts equals overindulging. I know that life. Oh, my God. You ever – that is uh, – uh, we went to an all-inclusive and it is just like – I did not stop eating or drinking for 90 straight hours or whatever. Yeah, I've, I've done that. I have a story. I'm trying to remember the name of the drink, but it was when I was in college and we went to this all-inclusive place in the Bahamas. And, you know, we, we get there immediately. We're, we're trying to like take advantage of the drink offerings yeah. because again, it's all-inclusive. So we go up to the bar, me and another guy, Jason, and we say something dumb because we're in college. We say, give us the strongest thing you got. Oh and the guy, the guy like literally like looked at us and kind of like chuckled to himself. And he's like, okay. And so he makes this thing and then he gives us a shot and he says, take the shot and then drink this out of a cup and like with a straw for some reason. And so we did it. He called it like a 911 express. Like literally, I'm pretty sure that was the name of it. And I'm not joking. I, I woke up like three hours later and I, and I was like just floored by it. I mean, I, I like up feeling fine, but he like just hammered us because we got cocky with our drink selection. <laughs> Wow. That is very, yeah, that is very confident. Uh, that's very confident. All right. So Eric has this lineup, Cameron champagne cocktail. Well done. Doug vodka gimlet. I feel like we've seen that one before. We have Jimmy yeah. Walker blue, Gary Woodford reserve. That's Gary Woodland. Aaron Baddeley needs a margarita and Austin smother me in tequila. <laughs> That was pretty good, Dirk. What else we got? Ryan at Fantasy Bunker says, uh, the boys will be teeing off in Mexico. Oh, a week before Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, we should have moved this back a week. Shame on us for, the, for scheduling this. 
Here are some other recognizable holidays. Uh, Christmas Stroud. St. Patrick Rogers Day. What what golfer is this? Patrick Rogers? Oh, you're talking about Raul Yam. Uh, I'm not sure who that is. Raul Yam Kipareda. I'm assuming it's Raul Pareda, but yeah. is he in the field? I don't even know who that is. I'm looking. James Hanukkah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. John Ramadan. Wow, these are great, right? And Byung Hyun Roshashana. Roshachana. Because I gotta say on. Roshachana. By the way, Raul Paredia or Pareda is uh, sixty-two hundred. There you go. John Markowski. John Markowski says Mexico, home to the best tacos in the world. Some of his favorite toppings include Aaron refried beans. Benny <laughs> Benny Mongo salsa. Joseph Bram lettuce. Nico de Gallo Echeverria. Guacamole Hodges. Nice. And cilantro griffin. Very creative, our listeners. Yeah, we, we actually got a couple kind of at the deadline, so I wasn't able to submit. The Harold Varner tracker had a really good one, so hopefully he'll contribute uh, next week. There were some others that came in kind of late, so I, they didn't make the cut here, but uh, good stuff from everybody. Speaking of making the cut, something that I forgot about, uh, the fan one and done link to vote, get the one and done selections in. That's in the description, as it always is on a Monday. We will release those on Tuesday during the mega preview pod. I should have mentioned that at the top of the show. I mentioned it at the bottom of the show. That is my fault. See anything else before we get out of here? Nobody had Nick Hardy in ours in the first cut one, right? That is correct. Uh, Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler were the best. That was uh, KP and Patrick, I believe. Gotcha. All right. Yep. And honestly, it wasn't it wasn't all that much money. Yeah. I had Horschel and, and Sam Burns who looked like they might get some money on Saturday, but they ended up getting less than 100K. Yeah. The difference between our – yeah. It was like 500,000 was the difference between our best ones and our worst ones. And mm. unless, unless you got the full 1.2 million from each one of your guys, it really wasn't that big a deal. Okay. Uh, Well, we'll be back on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as per usual for now. Big thanks. Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.